This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 85 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Back on Track, with the generous support of Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. We did have some sound issues with the connections on these calls, and we apologize for the interruptions in the quality, but do hope that you agree that the quality of the content itself certainly makes up for it. I apologize again, but we hope you enjoyed the show. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Debbie McDonald in Thousand Oaks, California. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And welcome back from all of us here at the Dressage Radio Show to 2011, Debbie. A new year. And any uh, New Year's resolutions? Uh, just to try to keep my, my ticker ticking. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all hope for that, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we have a, a full show this week. As we said, Debbie, you know, we're going to start to mix this up a little bit on the show and to start... You know, now that the show has got legs, we've had a lot of great guests on the show, but we're also going to introduce segments where, or shows where we, that are going to be topic-driven. And this week on the show, we're going to address the subject of do young riders specialise too early? And we're joined this week by Lendon Gray, no better person to talk about that, the founder of Dressage for Kids. Lendon, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. Nice to have you back again. You've you've been quite a regular on the show too, haven't you, Lyndon, over the year? <laughs> At times, absolutely. Right, wonderful. Well, as I said, no better person to talk about this subject of whether young riders do specialise too early. You know, here on the show, we've had a lot of young riders, Deb, you know, a lot of people you know, a lot of your students too, Lyndon, that, um, you know, they're very young. These are people I'm talking about, they're under 21, um, 15 years of age, some of, I mean, really young people. And the more the, of these young people we have on the show, the more we see young riders coming to the fore in the sport very young, the more right. it makes you want to question that, whether they come straight to the sport and you see them, you know, on social media networks now, they post all kinds of things on there about what they're doing and 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 how they're so focused at a very early age. So I want to talk about that and whether it does enhance their horsemanship, because I know both of you came from, you know, a different background. You've tried everything. I mean, I know, Lendon, you, you started off doing all kinds of things, didn't you? Western, hunt, seat, all kinds of things. I don't think there was much that we didn't try, and, and some of it, uh, probably a good thing people don't know what we did. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, and, and Debbie, you too. Your background was was hunter jumpers, wasn't it? Mine. Yes. Well, yes, but I also, you know, was, you know, in the in the early seventies. I mean, I I worked with a a man that did some um, hackney ponies, and I and I knew a very, you know, well-established Western barn that I kind of, you know, I mean, pretty like Lyndon said, I mean, there was a lot that was at our fingertips to, to, you know, touch and feel and, and watch. And, and it was, uh, I think it broadened, you know, my horizons as far as a horseman later in my life. And of course, you're very involved with the developing riders program for the U S equestrian federation. And you know you're in a in a, in a place to to watch these young people come in 
you know, where they've come from. And we're, um, Lyndon, you're, you're trying to capture them early, and I know it is part of your mission with Dressage for Kids, you know, the mission to, to actually, you know, uh, encourage horsemanship. So talk right. about that and your experiences, um, Lyndon, about when these, when these young people come to you, what kind of backgrounds do they come from? Well, they come from various backgrounds. When a young person, and I mean, I've started, I had one child come to me at five wanting to be a dressage rider. I mean, she couldn't quite post, but all she wanted to do is dressage. And um, she was with me uh, quite a long time until she moved away. I mean, she was with me about six years, I think. And even though she was a fanatical dressage rider from a very young age, I made a point of her riding bareback, of her jumping, of her trail riding, of her, and she spent a lot of time with her horse. Um, I, there are a few things that were strongly to mind. Um, one is these riders that start dressage, I find, and I'd be interested in Debbie's take, there's a lack of gutsiness in these riders. You know, the horse balks and they slam it right down. The horse is fresh and all they want to do is lunge it. Um, those of us that sort of came up riding by the seat of our pants, those of us that came up eventing, I think, um, that spent more time out galloping and doing all of that, there was a, it's just a courageousness that I see missing now in so many of my students. Um, and the other thing that I see that I am so grateful, I had, I grew up on the youngest of four. We had horses in the backyard. My mother rode. We all rode to one degree or another. And we lived with them. I mean, every day that I wasn't in school or sleep was with the, every hour was with the horses. And you got to know what horses were like. You got to know how horses thought. You got to know how they reacted. You handled them. And, you know, we learned by trial and error, and fortunately I survived um, <laughs> because I did a lot of stupid things that I did learn from. And to me, with horses now being boarded so much, with the competition, it's not so much the dressage riding just, but the competition becoming so important so early in every moment. You know, I have kids that come to me that are with me that, you know, whether it's them or their parents, it's got to be a lesson every time they come. It can't be just, let's go out and do something fun and slightly crazy. And one more thing before I let someone else speak. The other thing that I find running a, a stable here in New York, I have to be so careful with these children because of liability. I, I, there's no way I could let them do some of the things that I did because if something went wrong, it would be probably considered me sending them to do something unsafe. So I feel limited very often well you've raised three and in, i think interesting topics there debbie for you to pick up you know one on the the level of confidence of young people coming into into the sport of riding just period number two that yeah. they're very competition driven and number three that issue of liability because here in the states of course we're in a very litigious society do you want to pick up on any of those yeah definitely i i agree 100 percent with london um 
I think that that the experiences that that we had growing up and learning to ride, like she said, by the seat of our pants, and spending time, you know, with the horses and actually learning to listen to the horses. You know, I mean, that's the one thing I see that lacks so much, and even some of our best riders, is the lack of horsemanship. That there really is not. If you were to ask them, you know, things about their horse or even just a look in a horse's eye or, you know, yeah. when, when you're riding one, I mean, there's things that you have to learn to sense and there's no better way than just spending time with your horses and learning to do things away from just your everyday in the dressage ring work. I mean, that is not the way you get horsemanship. You can become a good rider. That doesn't mean you're a good horseman. So um, I agree completely with Lyndon on that. Um, the riders, I feel, lack a lot of that ability to ride through some issues uh, because they haven't had those experiences. And, um, and that, you know, also for sure leading into the fact that the liability that we all have to live with today is um, is very difficult because there are situations that come up that you'd like to have that rider, you know, be able to ride through it, and they're a little bit nervous or tentative, and yet you know that because you are a good horseman, that if this rider doesn't ride through this, that this is going to become an enormous issue, and so you're you're torn because you know that as a horseman, you need this rider to ride through this. But liability-wise, you're afraid that if you were to do that and something did happen, that you're, you know, you're going to be sued. So that it is a very difficult situation. But I think the biggest thing is the lack of horsemanship in today's riders. Well, That's what I find. Let's just take a commercial break, and when we come back, we'll address that. Listeners have been asking why back-on-track products work, and what is the science behind them? Well, they have evolved from a combination of ancient Chinese wisdom and modern science, as well as skilled textile production. This result is a polyester polypropylene fabric with a ceramic powder that's melted into the fabric's very own weave. The ceramic particles reflect body heat as an infrared wave, a form of energy with a highly documented pain-relieving effect. This reflected heat helps to ease inflammation, reduce muscle pain, and increase blood circulation. Back on Track products can be used to warm up your horse's muscles before exercise, thus reducing the risk of strains or injury. Most importantly, the product's dual capacity to prevent injury as well as ease and expedite the recovery of already present injuries is what makes Back on Track products so unique. I hope that helps as to why their products are so effective. Visit them at BackOnTrackProducts.com. That's BackOnTrackProducts.com. Well, Debbie, you mentioned, you know, the lack of horsemanship and what, Lendon, of course, what you're doing is is really addressing, trying to address that with young people coming into the sport. Are they coming to you because they want to be dressage riders? Are they coming you, to you because they want to 
be better at horsemen and women, or don't they know at that young age? Well, I think it depends a little bit on the the age. Um, most of them, to be honest, come to me because they want to be uh, dressage riders. That's what I'm known for. And if they're, you know, just going to be hacking, eventing, playing around, they're, they're not going to come to me. You know, it's it's expensive. You know, it's it's limited amount of time. Although I, I mean, there are three young children boarding at the stable where I teach. I don't teach them, but they're there. And little girls, and they just lit up. You know, yes, let's go just have some fun and do something sort of silly and fun. And, and um, you know, trying to put that in. Um, you know, the Youth Dressage Festival that, that I oversee, it's geared around dressage. I mean, it's a dressage test, a group equitation class, and a written test on riding theory. But we also offer the Caprilli, which is a dressage. We offer uh, a, a very popular class, what we call the dressage trail class, which is, you know, as we used to do, but with a little dressage tinged. We offer just a straight pleasure class like we used to do in, in the in the low. Um, so even there, competitively, I'm trying to encourage them to, to broaden out. And I have to say that the student, the advanced, who decided to do the pre-Caprilli uh, and at home were practicing jumping, which they didn't really do, much better after I've done some jumping. He's so much forward. He's so much looser, whatever. Um, and I think a lot of riders would find this, um, that if you, that if you, not only for yourself, but for your, but it comes back very often to this gutsiness. I can remember as a kid, as a young rider, I I just had a blast when when a horse was being fresh or charging around. And now I find I ask Sider, and I can't get them to do it. They're not. They're afraid to go that fast. Um, well, that's and a, that's an I interesting. So much riding forward. That's an interesting point you raised there, right there, um, Lendon about riding forward and learning to ride at speed and you'll both identify with this in in eventing one of the uh, problems that it well it's become an issue is that riders these days are not used to riding at speed now we've taken out the steeplechase phase they're not used to galloping to a fence at, at speed and letting the horse find his way they are they're just not used to doing that and so that's one aspect I want to raise. And, and Debbie, you're based in California. You will identify with this. <laughs> uh, while I was in California for a while, I was riding at the LA Equestrian Center. And I would be asked by a friend of mine, would you please go trail riding with me? Nobody will go out the ring and go up into the, to the mountains there with me. And that, I think, it, it addresses Absolutely. another issue. That, that they are ring-bound as well. And they don't have the confidence to go out of the ring. They don't have the security in their own independent seat to go and gallop in the hills. Debbie, I mean, this right. is something that you see all the time. 
Well, definitely, and and there's a there's a twofold problem when you when we talk about that here in California. One is um, one becomes yes, there are riders that won't go out there because of you know they they're afraid something's going to happen. You know, the, the horse might take the wrong step or get a little excited, this and that and the other. But then there's also when you when you're talking about the dressage riders you know, a lot of them that I'm with, now you're talking about horses that that do become, in a in a sense, too valuable to be taking out there because the footing in California, in the mountain areas, are not really conducive to a dressage horse. And that, I do have to say, um, is a problem in California in general. Just just good turnout areas for horses to, to be horses and run and play. And um, and people allowing that to happen, um, you know, we it it's such a congested area, and the horse areas are not really set up for that kind of even a a trail around the property. I mean, at least here where I am in California, they do have a large property here, and we do have a track that kind of goes around the whole property, which is nice. I mean, the horses get to get out of the arena, and we have a jumping ring and a dressage ring, but that is an unusual situation, I have to say, in California. So, yes, I do strongly believe um, that the riders, you know, need to get out there and stuff, but then we also come into that, that part, and we're talking about young people. They definitely need to get out and do those things that Lyndon's saying and play and not take this so seriously yet. I mean, there is, I mean, I'm not saying don't be serious about being a dressage rider because I think anybody that's that focused and driven probably will go there and, and try to be successful at it. But again, I, I hate to see young people miss out on being with the horses and living the life with the horses and enjoying the journey instead of being driven to a certain, in particular, young rider or Brentina Cup or Olympics. I mean, it's about the journey. It's not about just that one goal. Lyndon, how do we get away from them being competition-driven at a young age and focus more on being horsemen and women? Well, let's let's maybe not say let's take them away from the competition and the drive to the competition, but make sure there's a broadening that we're doing other things as well. And when you think about basically every other type of athlete, every human athlete, if we're talking about the horse being the athlete also, you know, if you're a runner, if you're a swimmer, if you're a weightlifter, you don't just do that one thing that you do in competition. You do cross training. And cross um, training from the, for the rider, I mean, I think of how much I learned from riding, from working with training horses. I learned so much from them. How much I learned about my balance and how to move with the horse by riding bareback. I mean, I was growing up in Maine. It was so cold in the winter. We literally packed our saddles and bridles away for the winter and rode with hackamores uh, bareback all winter. And this went on for years. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that's part of 
my success of being able to move the horse is, is the amount of time I spent that doing that. And we can still be competition driven and not be princesses. We can, I mean, how much time at Debbie spending, you know, spending time with the horse? How much time are some of these riders really spending with their horse, not schooling in the room? Handling, grooming, grazing, watching them in the pasture, uh, getting to know that way. So my emphasis is, you know, I love to see a dedicated dressage rider. I've had several, you know, that were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, just so focused. We really make the effort to do other things well and uh, take what you learn and sometimes you just by osmosis. It's not an obvious lesson um, from riding different types of horses. Right? Uh, I don't mean uh, Arabian or some Morgan, but saddle seat, western, uh, galloping uh, horses, ride uh, up and down the hills, whatever it is. Uh, by osmosis, you gain knowledge, gain body awareness of yourself and body awareness of your soul, balancefulness, um, doing the various things. So I don't want to get rid of the competitive kid, but uh, let's all enjoy and enjoy the journey by, by doing different things. Well, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, uh, Debbie, I want you to uh, maybe consider, you know, the the confidence building, how we build confidence in young people to be riders first. So uh, don't go away. Choose Kentucky Performance Products Supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to KPP. This week, I want to speak with you about Elevate Maintenance Powder. This time of year, horses are consuming very little grass and may not be able to get enough natural vitamin E. Horses in rigors training, seniors, broodmares, and stallions often require additional levels of vitamin E to meet their needs. When you need to supplement with natural vitamin E, choose Elevate Maintenance Powder. Affordable, effective, and research-proven, Elevate Maintenance Powder's vitamin E is nature's most powerful antioxidant, protecting your horse on the cellular level. Elevate Maintenance Powder supports the strong immune system and healthy muscle function necessary for top performance. It's affordable, it's easy to feed, and you can learn more about this and all their other products at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, I'm back with my guest this week, uh, Lyndon Gray, joining Debbie McDonald and us on, on a discussion about whether riders specialize too early in dressage. And one of the things we've been talking about is confidence and whether they develop confidence at a young enough age and really consolidate that confidence, Debbie, in a way that will make them horsemen, whatever discipline they choose to participate in. Well, I think a lot of it is... Um you know, when you're when you're starting out and you have an opportunity to to go to places like, for instance, what Linden offers, um, there's the a lot of times the proper horses are there. Um, 
or somebody that can monitor what is the proper horse for that particular rider at that time. I think what happens sometimes is a rider is overmounted way too soon and they lose their confidence because they, they get in a situation where they feel very intimidated. And once that happens, it's very, very difficult to, to change that rider's, you know, mentality about how they can ride through something. Or if you have something that's very well suited and they hit a situation that's a little rough, and you can help them ride through that, you can make them feel like they just mastered the world. But you, but again, so much has to be on on what they're mounted on. I mean, I believe that some some kids are overmounted, and uh, I actually believe that some of these horses that maybe might be a little more difficult in in certain areas, but good in the head, actually make them better riders in the end. It's not that little push button for our horse that actually is going to make them the horseman that they need to be. Um, but again, I think it's it's being put in a situation where you can work through something and and have somebody be able to to help you through that situation. All you need to know is that you can get through that a few times to build that confidence. But it's pretty hard to build the confidence when it's already been destroyed. Lyndon, I, I agree. I mean, regaining confidence is is so difficult. We also can push a little. I had a, I had a very good young student just out of Young Riders, um, who not a particularly a particularly see rider, and uh, you know, average. But but her level of of uh, skill, she wasn't gutsy as I like. She was in a situation past year where she had to start. Um, Galloping a horse, and we were fortunate here to have a big flat field continues, and um, you know she worked into it gradually and gradually. And I have to say, by the end of the summer, end of the fall, she was galloping with such gay abandon. <laughs> um, you know, she she built it up gradually, and it's done a tremendous thing to her body. She's all sharpy. But she has a, it, it's developed at age 12 for me, uh, a bigger gutsiness, confidence, forward sense, kicking the horse forward now when it gets a little naughty rather than mopping it. Well, all of her horses, conditioning-wise and attitude-wise, by taking them out and galloping them, using that as part of her cross-training. And you know, she worked into it gradually, um, and now I'm often saying, you know, maybe you should slow down, <laughs> which I never ever would add a say to her before. Uh, so, you know, taking it a step at a time, whatever it is. Um, but thinking about going in that direction, you know, riding that horse more forward, not stopping it up quite so sharply if it starts to get a little knot, ride it through its its naughtiness and the uh, you know, not to take a huge step, but a lot of baby steps make up a huge step. Debbie, what, what do we do when young people come to us and say, I just want to be a dressage rider like you? Well, I mean, I'm not going to, I certainly I am not going to take anybody's dream away to, to become that. Um, 
what we need to develop in our country anyway. So, you know, I love that that somebody's driven and really feel like they know what they want to do. And the best I can do is is try to develop them as as horsemen and 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 make them a little more well rounded. I mean, um, I want somebody to know when a horse when he's in the barn what horse that was. I mean, you should know the horse's voices for God's sakes. I mean, those little things, something like that, to me, is being a real horseman. It's not about putting your foot in the stirrup. It's about knowing. Is that horse laying down today? Does it lay down normally that time of day? Then you should be concerned. Does it, you know, it, horses patterns. It's not, it's not about just putting yourself over, you know, the horse's back and riding it in the arena. For me, that is what I'm talking about that lacks. I don't want to take away that rider. We need our sport to grow in this country enormously, but... But, you know, if you're going to spend time with me, those are things that I hope I can pass on. Do we need to focus maybe on education of parents and trainers that, you know, to shift that focus a little bit, to to lower the expectations in terms of the high-dollar horse that you referenced earlier, Debbie, that, you know, some riders are overhorsed at a very early age. And is that the parent's expectation and is that instilled in a child at an early age that, well, I've got to have the best horse, otherwise I'm not going to be the best rider? Is this something that we, we can help, you know, by educating the, young, the, the, the parents who maybe have not have come from a horsey background and also, of course, the trainers, the younger trainers who are also instilling that uh, culture? Well, I think that's kind of more where it needs to lean. I think it's it's educated trainers that we have out there that there's, you know, there's a lot more that we can offer riders and parents than just a lesson. Um, and that is, you know, to me, that's a, a very important subject, you know, that you brought up. And um it's not that if you have a very, very talented young rider and and you have a, a family that can afford to buy that rider a, a nice horse. I'm not saying that that isn't something that should happen, but I don't want people to give up thinking that because they might not have that big dollar, that they can still become enormously wonderful competitive riders and doors can open up later. That doesn't mean you have to give up, but become the horseman along the way. I mean, that's, for me, that is really an issue. And I think George Morris is on that line with, with their sport. And, um, you know, I just, I think there's very few of us left in this country <laughs> that that think that way anymore. I don't know if London agrees with that, but there's a younger generation now that isn't so horseman driven and it's more into the dollar and cents and that's what I, you know, worry for the future. If I can put something in there, I think, you know, I'm sure Debbie like me, there's nothing more than to have a really talented rider with a really wonderful horse that we can go out and be incredibly successful with competitively. But there's such a push now 
such a sense amongst the kids that they have to make the North American team. Then they've done the North ends and they're getting older. Now they have to do Brantina Cup. They have to have a horse that can do Brantina Cup. These are wonderful, wonderful competitions. But the sense that I don't do, I'm nobody, uh, is so wrong. And they're, you know, if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity, it's fabulous. But you have so much you can gain by not having the fancy horse, by having the younger horse, by even, you know, you don't have the finances, perhaps it's very expensive to do these competitions, you know, to do your local shows, getting still such an amazing education. And you still, I mean, what is so wonderful about this sport? Forever. I mean, you're you're not over the hill at age 20 like you might be as a gym swimmer or something. Right. Uh, and uh, you're looking to be getting better and better and better as the years go by. Um, and we need to try to bring in and encourage and acknowledge the abilities of those who don't have, for whatever reason, the opportunities to go to the big competitions. Um, I mean, that's the majority of them out there. And uh, along the same line, the, the need to be a Grand Prix rider. How wonderful, how exciting it is to ride Grand Prix, to, 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 first to show it, to bring the horses along to it. But there's so much else you can do in the horse world successfully and will that action, whether teaching beginners, being the person rakes horses and gives them the the best possible beginning to their their uh, being wide competition horses, or the trainers of young horses, um, the assistant trainers that, that go for years being an assistant trainer and, and doing work around the edges. I mean, there's, there should be satisfaction and acknowledgement, I think, for that. Well, you know, the high-performance people that we all, all hear about. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to take another quick break, and uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about the, the quality of horses and, uh, and summarize this uh, question about whether these young riders are specializing too early. Hey, everyone, it's that time of the year again for after-holiday closeout sales, and Equestrian Collections has hundreds of items for you at tremendous savings up to 70% off. Closeouts from Ariat, JPC, Pessoa, Ovation, and so many more. Highly discounted specials include ladies' apparel, footwear, saddle pads, bags, belts, coats, and the list goes on and on. Remember, you can save up to 70% now, but this is a closeout and quantities are limited. So grab the keyboard and type in equestriancollections.com. You'll see the great big ad right on their homepage for all of their closeout specials now for the month of January. Get them while before they're gone at equestriancollections.com. Well, Debbie, we, um, Lyndon just mentioned the quality of the, the horses, at, you know, and riding to Grand Prix and getting to the young riders and that being such a, a goal for young people now, which is admirable in of itself. 
Um, and, and I have to say, looking at these horses, at young riders, Debbie, these are fabulous horses that these kids are riding. I mean, the quality of, oh. of, of horse flesh out there it, at that level for children. I'm thinking, how come you got to ride such beautiful horses at your age? You know, it. it yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it, Deb? Because they've got these terrific horses, and 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 we need people to be, you know, be well mounted to get to the Grand Prix and to eventually be representing the country, as you said, to build the sport. But yeah. do we spoil them? Well, you know, I mean, Lyndon brought up so many, um, so many great topics right there. I mean, just everything she said about, you know, it's not just about the, you know, the young riders and the Brentina Cups and the Olympics. I mean, there's so many avenues that people can win. And I think what what I see so much that happens are these kids that come in and they want to be these dressage riders. They get very focused and very like, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And then if that doesn't happen for them, they feel that they're failures and they the sport. And that is where, for me, you know, trying to get them to think a little bit differently, like Lyndon was saying, what's wrong with, with being the best instructor and passing along amazing abilities to other riders or being that assistant to somebody that you you know, mentor or whoever, and and maybe moving into that business. Or, like she said, the person that, that starts the young horses. I mean, without that great person starting young horses, we have horses that are screwed up from the beginning. So um, it's trying to also get them on a path that that isn't the only thing you need to worry about. I mean, really, in the big picture, at the end of your life, if you're still riding dressage and you're doing what you want to do and you're doing great things for the horses and the riders, that's success. And that's where I worry only about that little point, that people get so driven so early and then they feel if it doesn't happen for them, they feel they've failed and they fall out of the sport. And I don't know if Lendon feels that way as 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 I do in that or not. Oh, uh- Absolutely, I agree. Um, I think it's a shame when you see that. Yeah, um, and you know, and the other thing about the quality of horses coming in at that very young age for these young riders. What's your take on that, Lendon? I mean, then they're not having to make do with the scruffy ponies, are they anymore? You know, as, as you, as I'm sure, <laughs> no, you know, we have the scruffy ponies. There's there's two sides to it. You only learn by feeling so much in the sport, and you're going to learn what a real collected trot is by a horse as a wonderful collected trot, etc. Um, and so, I mean, for, for one of our best teaching tools, and, and when I was riding, I had to do so much. I take a student and put it on one of my good horses just to feel a collected trot, a good flying danger, or a, a good being back, whatever it was. And then they can go back on their own horse and try to search for it. So, yes, you're going to develop to be a rider by being able to ride really good horses. But... Having said that, 
there's you're still going to learn a great deal, and you're going to have a wonderful road ahead of you, even if you can't have a talk. You take what you have, and I think this was what my career was about so much. You take what you have and make it the best you can. You you develop it to the best of your ability as far as you know, maybe that horse go. Tremendous satisfaction from that. Um, and that's where I, I wish we could, again, be able to acknowledge the people that, uh, as well as acknowledge and encourage those that are lucky enough and smarter than I'm lucky enough <laughs> to um, be able to buy a wonderful horse. Uh, and it's hard when you've got a student who rides really well, but doesn't have a horse with great movement or elasticity or confirmation and so forth. And, you know, they're always... They're always at a disadvantage. Uh, sometimes they can come out on top if they just do a really correct and accurate test. But obviously, this is a sport where the quality of movement is what is being judged. And uh, if you start with something really substandard, it makes it hard. But can't we take satisfaction and, and give great encouragement to someone who does take a horse that that is somewhat substandard and makes it a good horse. Not a great horse, but a good horse. And uh, But that I find that hard. As a teacher, as a coach, I find it very hard with a student who does have a, a horse of not great quality but rides well and does everything right. And then they're always being beaten by maybe, by maybe someone who rides incredibly well and has a wonderful horse or maybe someone who doesn't ride so incredibly well but still has a wonderful horse. And I'm I'm struggling with that time of how to how to keep encouraging that student who's just doing everything right but doesn't have the good fortune of having a really good horse. You know, we talked about them riding their one horse. I think this is this is another topic for discussion. Is you know how many how many horses uh, these young riders would ride in a day compared to say event riders. Um, you know, I've talked to riders here on the show that would, and jumpers that would just get off one onto the other, off one and onto the other. Not something that the young riders would do to that to, to that extent. Maybe they're maybe they're not riding enough horses. Debbie, is that your dog? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, I'm just trouble every time I do this, aren't I? Here I think I'm trying. I'm shutting him out of the house right now. Okay, it's quiet again. <laughs> we're not, it's good to know that, that uh, Haley is in such good form. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> You know, I I think that maybe I mean you you guys uh, address this all the time. You you see these young riders all the time. Uh, are they riding enough different types of horses to learn these horsemanship skills? Are they spending the barn time that they need? Or do they have the barn hours? It's like flying hours. You you just need the hours under your belt, as you say, just to go in and touch legs every day, and you know, and just spend that barn time. Is it? I mean, there's two questions here. I mean, are they riding enough different types of horses? And the second question, before we wrap up this week, is is really about the conflict for them in that the choices that young people have at a young age, um, you know, with with new media, with sports, with arts, there are so many choices for them, and so much expectation from their parents to succeed at school, and that that all that pressure, and and so their barn time is not. 
as extensive as it was for you and I. The only thing that I can say on that, Chris, is that um, I know in in my barn situation, it is unfortunate. I mean, there people aren't sharing their horses for various reasons, obviously, you know, um, they want to spend time on their own horse. So um, unless you can go to a, a barn and, and there, and I don't know of, of any in the, the immediate area that I'm in that offer, you know, that have a lot of horses. I mean, I can remember the days when I would go to a barn and somebody wouldn't show up and you could get on and exercise that horse. But nowadays people, because they are spending a lot of money to train their horses, they don't want just anybody on their horse. They want you, if they're out of town, or your assistant or whoever. But um, So I think in my, it, my way I'm looking at it is that has changed over the years as far as what I was able to do and I see so readily available in the dressage world. It is different, I believe, in the eventing and the show jumping world. People can get on horses and hack them, and they're not so worried about that because you're not messing around with the training that you're in on a dressage horse. So, I don't know. What is your take on that, London? Well, I agree. Um, I actually have a situation here that's with my own facility um, where we, we haven't atmosphere of you know it's mostly adult amateurs here and the people here the staff here do get to ride a lot of different type horses but it's a pretty unique situation and but one thing i do tell kids to take the opportunity to get on anything anybody offers them you know some i sometimes you know i'll I'll say to someone you want to ride another horse well who is it you know, and and the the attitude is, is it worth my time? Um, whereas, you know, I encourage them. I don't care who it is. Get on. See what you can do. If somebody gives you the opportunity to ride something, the main thing you may learn is, I never want to ride another horse like that again. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you'll learn something from it, or you'll you'll learn that ooh, that horse does that, and you know, my horse is sort of starting in that direction. Maybe I better fix it. Now, um, you're going to learn, if, if your mind is open and working, you're going to learn something from pretty much every horse you get on. And if it's a little quarter horse or, you know, a Tennessee walking horse or whatever it is, give it a try. See what, see, uh, what you can gain from it. And the, the other thing that is, is slightly a totally different subject is people watching. You know, you come, you ride your horse, you leave. You come, you do your thing, uh, and maybe you spend time with your horse. But I find that people aren't taking the opportunity to watch and learn the way they could. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a very good point, Linda. And, I, and, and it is, again, this time constraint that, you know, people don't take the time because there are other pressures, yep. especially with young people. There are other pressures. Um, but I think we've raised a lot of very interesting topics here. And uh, I think uh, hopefully, you know, we've addressed some things that certainly worth considering if you're out there as a parent or a young rider, just listening to the advice of these two experts, Lyndon and, and Debbie, between them, um, pretty much seen it all and seen some very good horses too. And the message there, just jump on anything because you will learn. 
something from any horse you'll get on and uh, I can remember some of my experiences and riding with some very good international riders in different countries in the three Olympic disciplines and and being put on horses just to, as you mentioned earlier, just to know what it feels like, Lendon, just, okay, that's what, you know, a PF or Passage should feel like. Or, you know, that's what jumping four foot six should feel like. And and it is a great experience. I remember, Debbie, once we were filming with you, weren't we, um, when you rode the mare in, in California a few years ago now. Do you remember? Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and I nearly said to you, do you mind when we finish filming if I just jump on and see what that feels like because you had such incredible harmony with that mare <laughs> you know that it's like okay just let me just get on and fit, see what that feels like and you know I think our message to all of you out there is just get on and get the experience get ride as many horses as you can and uh, and spend as much time with your horses out of the saddle in the barn in the field wherever it may be to get that experience. Any any takeaway messages uh, from you, Lendon, for all our young listeners? Well, one quick thing from what you just said and, and how generous of, of Debbie to let you hop on. Oh, but she didn't. I <laughs> wish there were, there were more people. <laughs> oh, you didn't? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't that generous because I know she can buck and I didn't want her to get bucked off. (laughs) But there are many opportunities, you know, don't we let somebody hop on and try a little something. Uh, My feeling is under, you know, control situation, if somebody riding your horse safely for five minutes ruins your training, the training wasn't very good to begin with. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, and and perhaps I was, you know, I felt this way for a long time and, and have done it for a long time. But but um, I can tell you very quickly when I was an event rider, I was training with Colonel Jungquist, our team coach, and he was training uh, Elizabeth Lewis at the same time. I'd ridden second level. He, he asked Elizabeth if I could hop on her uh, world championship mare, the mare she rode the world championship, to try Piaf. I'd never ridden Piaf before. I won't tell you how it went, but it was an amazing <laughs> experience, and it had an effect on the rest of my riding. Yeah. That four minutes probably on that mare was, yeah. just yeah. gave me an amazing experience. Yeah, I remember. And, uh, I, that, that, it, it does. It, it, it is that experience and just feeling it. I remember right. once, if I can just indulge you, um, years ago I was riding with Caroline Bradley, who was a show jumper in England who sadly passed away, but she had some very, very good horses at the top level. And she called me, I was working with her, and I was schooling young horses, and she called me into the arena uh, from the barn one day, and she said I, went, I knew who she was riding. She was riding Franco, um, and, and he was the best horse in the yard. He was a you know, top Grand Prix horse, uh, Olympic horse. And no one, no one rode this horse except her. And she called me in and she said, Chris, I want you to get on him. And I just about wet my pants then. I thought, you've got to be kidding. Nobody rides this horse. And, and you do as you're told. You know, you're a kid. You do as you're told. I got on that horse and she said, and she said I want you to jump, ride down to this upright and then to this parallel on the other side. And she said, I want you to do nothing. And you tell a young rider, I was in my early 20s, to to ride down to, you know, four foot five, you know, a spread and do nothing and just to feel it. And it taught me to not touch that horse, to not touch a horse and just to let a horse ride, the fence come to it and to enjoy the jump 
without riding it, if you see what I mean. And that experience, and that was the most incredible experience. Yes, I was nervous, but boy, what a takeaway. What an experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, there should be more of those moments, as you said, to educate young people and, uh, and you know, and give them the opportunity to get on as many horses as they can. Debbie, any takeaway for young people here? No, I think, I mean, like I said, I think um, just try to, I mean, I love the fact that, that we have these, these driven dressage riders, but, but please don't think that, that that one goal you might have, you know, set on means that you're a failure if it never happens. I mean, there's so many other ways of success without showing that you have to have have done exactly what you thought you wanted to do or the path that you wanted to go on. You're still successful as far as I'm concerned when you can live a life with horses and um, and enjoy a journey. That's a very good way. No better way to describe that, Debbie. Well, that's a great way to end our show uh, this week, and I want to thank you both for a very, I think, very um, invigorating conversation, and I hope uh, that it has raised uh, some some thoughts amongst you, you know, about the young riders and what you can take away from this conversation. And I want to mention, Debbie, we're starting a new, another new segment on the show here. It, we're going to call it You Be the Judge, and I'm going to post a link to a YouTube video of a well-known ride, a famous uh, ride, a test. And the one I've chosen to start off this series is Fuego the Twelfth and Juan Manuel Munoz Diaz riding uh, in the course in the 2010 World Equestrian Games in his freestyle. That caused uh, quite a bit of interest out there, Debbie and Lyndon. You probably both watch that too. Oh, absolutely. Yep. well i want to hear from you all we will be discussing that test on the show here but i want to hear from you you can post your comments on our facebook page as always of course at uh, dressage radio and you can uh, always follow our show notes here at dressageradio.com and on twitter at horse radio and you can follow me at chris e stafford and you can also send uh, any comments questions or suggestions to us here chris at horseradionetwork.com or leave me a voicemail at 270-803-0025. Our thanks again, as always, to our loyal sponsors for making this show possible and our backstage crew. Don't forget to check out all the other shows here on the Horse Radio Network. We will be adding another one to our stable. We currently have eight shows, something for everyone, as I always tell you, but we're adding another one. We are going to be starting a new show called Equestrian Legends. And uh, Lendon, of course, was a guest on Inspirational People series a few weeks ago now. And those guests from the Inspirational series, People series will be included in Equestrian Legends. It will be a bi-weekly show when I'll be extending this conversation to a number of Equestrian Legends around the horse world and around the globe. So looking forward to that. That will be starting here in the new year. Well, that about wraps it up. I want to wish you all a very happy new year. Our thanks again to Lendon Gray. Thank you so much for spending time with us, Lendon. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, Debbie, we'll be getting you back on the show before much longer, I know. And enjoy the sunshine in California. Thanks again for being my co-host again this week. And I will be back same time, same place next week. So until then. Please, everyone, practice safe writing and leave those cell phones in the tack room. No texting. Thank you.